This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome back to our show. We are happy to have you. Uh, I am Matthew Bunch, and tonight I am joined by Omar Mubayed. Omar, how you doing, buddy? This is this is a podcast. This, I know. We're all right. Is this is this real life? What's what? Is January of twenty twenty? Where, where are we? What's going on here? <laughs> What's going on here? I'm so yeah. confused by this. What is this structure? We've been frozen in kryptonite for a few months, but uh, we've we've uh, our our bounty has finally been paid and we are released. Um, so yeah, it, it's good to be talking. Disney's to litigious, you again. man. What are you doing with that? What are you doing? <laughs> I, They're so yeah, true. Are you kidding me? You yes. don't have the money for this. I'm not we, through we, law school. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we have been frozen in an undetermined substance for an undetermined amount of time, and now we are freed. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, so anyway, uh, we are happy to have you. Uh, we are back. Uh, we are we are back and and hopefully better than ever. But um, yeah, we we've we've done a, a few months, I think, of kind of rest and recovery. Last year was very hard for a lot of people, and and good in 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 some ways, and obviously terrible in some others. Um, I know at least from a personal experience, and part of the explanation why we've kind of been on the quiet side is as I had a son. Um, which is wonderful, and also uh, was hospitalized right around the same time, which is not so wonderful, and not related to COVID-19, something t- t- thought to be related, but wound up it wasn't. Um, things got, got really crazy. Got bit yeah. by a bug. Like, <laughs> Some what, do you, what do you mean? Really? You got bit by a bug. Stop. stop no, stop it, was, it, it wasn't even that. No, I have no idea what it was. I thought I knew what it was. I don't know what it was. But anyway... I'm fine. I'm perfectly healthy. Everything's great. But just a lot of hits came for basically all of us. Uh, You know, every one of us had some sort of professional responsibility or personal responsibility or some sort of combination of the two and just like 2020. And yeah, everything kind of slipped by the wayside and we were in self-preservation mode. And and we've done some things particularly on social media. And and Omar, you mentioned... um, very eloquently on social media, how Lee Fins has been so important in keeping the flame burning. Um, even through, you know, again, all of us dealt with something over the last few months. And so... Isn't it, isn't it ironic, though, that Lee's the one that keeps this garbage bin afloat uh, <laughs> through, through rough waters? He keeps this garbage bin of a platform afloat through rough waters. And he didn't want to do this at the beginning. He wanted no part of this. Like, at the very beginning, when this started, what... Four and a half years ago, Jesus, we're going to be on five years here in like a couple months. He wanted nothing to do with this. He's like, no, that's fine. This is for you guys. You guys go and and enjoy. I am going to stand in the stands and I'm going to drink a beer and just leave me alone. (laughs) Yes. And, and, (laughs) you know, it's it's, the caretaker. (laughs) Yeah, it's he's he's really been an important caretaker of, of Magic City Soccer. And, and all of us have done some bits here and there, but I mean, really hugely credit. He's not with us tonight. He will be with us 
uh, going forward. And that's um, also so us too. Like, thanks, Lee, for keeping us afloat. We're yeah. doing something without you. You come on next week. Like, it's perfectly yes. fine. Just all right. Yes. Screw it. Screw it. We're, going. We're, we're, we're just getting going. And plus his work with UPSL this week in the UPSL has been fantastic as well. Like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's been great. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll basically kind of just leave it here, I guess. Uh, but we are back. We are going to do our efforts. Yeah. And another thing too, it's, uh, I don't want to dwell on it. But the way in which, and, and we'll talk about this more, and it's, I guess, kind of a segue into Inter-Miami and to Miami FC, but there was so much excitement about last year. It oh, was yeah, really yeah. the year we'd been waiting for in South Florida. And then for it to be so thoroughly blown up in so many different ways, it was really quite disheartening. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, doing like a, mini like psychological uh, session here. I'm talking to the shrink that is whoever is listening, but yeah, it was just really, uh, I mean, um, to put it bluntly, it's just a kick to the balls, man. Like just dealing with everything last year, just related to soccer, just related to soccer was just an enormous letdown. And and it had nothing to do with the on-field results, which were also a letdown, but just everything, it was just like, man, we've, we've worked, we've pushed, we've covered city council meetings, and we've talked to coaches and players, and we've done all this, and we're going to have this two-team system. It's going to be great, and, but you can't go. Yeah, but you can't go, and then it disappears for like three. We're going to get like four or five games in, and then it's yeah. going to disappear for three months, and it's going to come back, and then you've got to figure out where you're going to watch it, and then mm. how does the structure work? Does the tournament mean that it's going to be regular season games? It was just a massive yes. shit show. But it's, it, it's, it's really ironic. I was thinking about it again just a couple of days ago, that like 2020 kind of ended the way it started in the soccer calendar, at least for South Florida, because you have the U.S. men's national team show up and play a game at, you know, uh, New Lockhart or Inter Miami Stadium, right? Yeah. There was like 2,000 people there. And like the 2,000 people who went, like, you've got balls for going, even if it's yeah. in a stadium. Like, what are you doing? Right. But they show up and they get this game, and none other than fucking Pablo makes his goddamn homecoming. It, it, the yes. one year where you can't make your homecoming because nobody can go. Yeah. This fucking guy gets cut. You're just like, so I'm like sitting there. I'm just like, oh, look, I'm watching like, you know, Michelle Coffin from the Miami Hill. Like, look, they're going to get a men's national team game. And I'm like, Fuck, of course, of course, they, of course they are. <laughs> they haven't been here in five years. The last time they came down was a Tuesday in Boca Raton, like six years ago, you know, against, like, was it Nicaragua or Honduras? It was one of the two. All right, fine, yeah. whatever. And then, oh, they're going to get El Salvador. And I'm, and in my head, I'm like, they're going to call up Pablo Puniet, and I'm going to sit here and be like, I can't go to the fucking game because why else? What, what, I mean, more 2020. How more on Brian can it really get, right? <laughs> and, of course, bam, as it happens. And I'm just like... Okay, so yeah, it ended just how it started. Just like, come on, man, like, just cut us a break. And I guess, you know, as you were saying, the team's performances on both ends weren't great. And it was set up to be like, you could see if maybe the momentum, if if maybe if COVID didn't start till June, you could see maybe both teams getting some momentum early on. And, you know, we'll figure where things out go from there, right? But man, kicking the nuts, you're absolutely right to say all of a sudden, Hey, you're going to get two away games and done out. Yeah. Like Miami FC doesn't even get to start their season uh, before I, they get to play one game, I think on the road at St. Louis and get yeah, at St. Louis. They, they right. have one game and at get, St. Louis. Get, get absolutely shellacked 
I think four nil or something of the sort, uh, or yeah. four one before you can even yeah. You know, and then sh- you know what? Shut everything down for two three months, um, and it, it's just it's it, it's crazy. It, it's just it's absolutely nuts, and it's really why a lot of our content didn't exist. I mean, I was looking at uh, like our RSS feed, and I'm pretty sure one of our last podcasts or our last podcast was with Nelson Vargas. Yes. <laughs> like fuck. Okay. Like we have the. The last guy who was coach at my yes. and we yeah. didn't do anything after that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I think honestly that is kind of it was symbolic of everything. We we, we had this wonderful conversation with Nelson, who was such a great guy, uh, and really kind of was very personal and spent a lot of time with us. And then, like as to, basically as soon as we were done with that conversation and uploaded it, he was uh, out of power you know, and, 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 and Paul Dugley should step back into the role and it, you know, results were challenging for the club, obviously in, in that short period of time. Um, but yeah, it was just like, what, why are we doing anything? Why are we talking about anything? Because right now nothing matters. Like everything is up in the air. Everything is in the lurch. Anything can change anytime. It's like, what, what good is it to record a podcast today that when one week has no relevance to the standing of the soccer world. It, it was just, it was so disorienting. It was just like you were constantly, it was like being a dryer and you're just being tumbled around and everything's changed. You can't keep up and there are three games in a week and, and you don't know who's playing and who's sick and who's out and who's in. It's like, what, what do these results even mean? What, it, it was just, it was too much. It was too much. And, and, and at the same time, it was very much, what is it that the whose line is it anyway? What's the tagline at the end where everything's made up and the points don't matter, right? Like yes. that's what it was because yeah. well, you had 10 teams in the MLS playoff on both sides and you had expanded playoffs and like, oh, did you yeah. get in sub 500? Good for you. Like you're going to get yes. one game and then you're out. Like, come on. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a good, that's our 2020 recap. Uh, you know, everything's made up and points don't matter. Um so looking ahead, tra- transition, uh, looking ahead to 2021, let's focus on Inter-Miami first because they have been in the news. Uh, they have been in the mo- news because of the departure of Diego Alonso, manager, first-year manager, the de- departure of Paul McDonough, uh, first-year uh, director, uh, sporting director for the club, uh, basically a, 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 a root-to-bone you know, uh, front, top to bottom, left to right, everything you want, restructuring and reorganization of power in the club. And there has been mention, obviously the big name that has been mentioned is Phil Neville um, to step into this opening. It's not, nothing is official, but that appears to be the way the winds are blowing. Uh, there was reporting a few weeks ago that uh, from Michelle Kaufman in the Miami Herald that David Beckham was looking to step in and take a more active role in the management of the club, which would be a big departure from what we saw last year. Um, so Inter Miami appears to be going into its second annual inaugural season. Omar, uh, what what do you see from the club? I think I almost feel like you're getting the hype that you didn't get the first year around this time around, right? Because now you're getting the hype and the manager, and you know I, I'm not sure if a general manager has been named or if, or I guess a technical director has been named, but I saw a name circulating, and I could be wrong and. I'm sorry, my head's been buried in books and should be more prepared, but I'm not. This is what our podcasts are like nowadays. But, <laughs> but I think this is the hype that you're getting. I think you're seeing now all the possibilities that everybody wanted out of 2020 appearing now. You have a massive name in Phil Neville. Uh, current, I guess he hasn't resigned yet, technically, has he? It depends which reports you look at. Um, current head coach of English women's national team. You know, leaving the job in a Olympic year where 
they're going to be challenging for the medal, whether they be the United States Women's National Team at a different point altogether, right? But they're in contention. They are a contender for that position, and he's leaving it to come alongside his buddy, his pal David Beckham, and then take the reins at Inner Miami with a roster that left a lot to be desired last year. Yeah, I think that there is the there are two sides to this sword. The one side is Beckham stepping into the gap brings the name, the prestige, everything we have talked about for half a decade now or more. And that can be obviously a very good thing. There are connections that he has that no one else has in MLS or, or anywhere, basically, that, that he exists as a kind of singular figure in the world of soccer unto himself. However, there is the danger of this becoming, you know, the the uh, – the tag of it becoming the reputation of it becoming the, the, you know, the retirement home for the class of 92, you know, where, where, you know, where, where this is, you know, it's Beckham's buddies running the show and it can work. I mean, it can certainly, but if they're going to go that route, there has got to be a massive investment in, in roster fortification more so than what we saw last year. And there, there was the, you know, the, 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 the addition of Matuidi, uh, the addition of Higuain, trying to get names and trying to get players of stature. But Phil Neville, I mean, you, you want a coach that has experience in major league soccer. You want a coach that has experience in CONCACAF, which is fam- familiar with this style of game. Because very rarely have we seen someone come in without that experience and have any kind of real success. And so I am leery, although that, that English national job, he has done a good job in it. He has elevated the, the status of the English national team. Yep. Um, he, I, I don't think that this is just someone, you know, uh, getting on the, the, getting the training wheels off. Like he, I, I, I consider him a serious candidate, not just a friend of David Beckham, but at the same time, I don't think Phil Neville is going to win too many. He's not going to be very, he's, he's not going to be worth a lot of wins over replacement compared to say a competent MLS stats. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical in his first season of him making really a lot of difference unless it leads to player acquisition near or far down the road. And, and if that's the case, yeah, then it does matter. And, and ultimately that's one of the biggest things that managers can do is add prestige and attract players that might not have come otherwise. And yeah, Diego Alonso probably wasn't attracting a lot of European players on his own. And it wasn't attracting big name players on his own, although they did get him Tweedy and, and Equine. But yeah, if you can fortify that Beckham brand and make it really David Beckham's team, yeah, you have a possibility of, uh, of, of changing the state of play, which right now after season one was, even though there was a playoff appearance, somewhat of a disappointment. Yeah, and you've seen a lot of players go, um, you know, and, and, and the roster you still have left is, is a roster that's talented. I think one of the biggest questions that will will need to be answered in this season is who's going to be the number nine? Who's going to be the individual who is leading the line for Inter-Miami? And the other thing is you just had Luis Robles retire. So now who's yes. going to man the pipes? So who's going to be the individual now that, you know, is going to fortify what was a weak back line? And I'll give credit where it's, where it's due, right? LGP came in halfway through the end of the last year and absolutely changed, for the most part, the productivity of the defense. 
Uh, but again, it, it's a lot of questions to answer. We again don't know necessarily who's going to be the sporting director. There are reports that it's going to be, you know, Chris Henderson from the Sounders is going to be somebody who will be joining the front office. What his role is, I don't think anybody's really, um, you know, really put pen to paper on it and said, okay, he is the he is the general manager. He is a sporting director. This is the guy who's going to be, you know, constructing the roster. And then also you got to remember what's going to be the relationship between him and Phil Neville. What is, if Phil Neville does take the coaching job, obviously, what is going to be that connection? Or do they have similar ideologies here? Because Henderson's done a great job with the Sounders. You've seen the Sounders be able to replace star name after star name and yet still be competitive year after year. Uh, just yeah. making it to what their third MLS cup in the last four years, if I'm not mistaken, this past season. Yep. They've really channeled the, they, you know, they had the, uh, the, the best fans title for a good long while there, but they really seem to have manifested it into a, a well-run organization, you know, that has really stood out. They've kind of carved out their own era in, in MLS where I think a lot of people were expecting Atlanta to kind of fill that gap with both fans and an organization. And, and they've sputtered a bit. Um, yeah, they, they've, they've been really solid and caveat. A lot of people said the same thing about Paul McDonough, you yeah. know, and, and, and that didn't seem to work. And so my, a big part of my question too, is now that there is reportedly, we're taking reports here. It's not, uh, you know, carved in stone, but reportedly now that David Beckham wants to take this more active role in the club, my first question is why not last year? Why, why is there this like weird one year, like, okay, now I'm ready to jump in the pool. And two, if there is this sporting director brought in and David Beckham is attempting to create this, carve out this role for himself, what, what does the organizational structure actually look like, right? Who's in charge? Who's calling shots? And if David Beckham wants to play that role, then will you be able are you going to get someone of that stature coming in to take on a kind of a weird secondary role where you're not sure, you know, to, to cross sports here for a second, uh, kind of what we saw in Houston where it's like, who's in charge of players, who's in charge of this for the, for the te- Houston Texans in, yeah. in the NFL, <laughs> uh, you know, who's in charge of what, and you can't figure out who you actually have to answer to that leads to chaos. I mean, we're seeing it with the Texans now that leads to chaos. It, it leads to enormous uncertainty and it can set organizations back, not just for weeks or months, but for years. So that is my only concern. I just want to know what's the structure and will that structure hold for longer than a season? I can't remember where I heard it. And I feel like it's reckless when you say, I can't remember where I heard something, but I'm going to put it out into existence <laughs> anyway, because I did hear it. And, and I, I feel like I'm not alone in hearing it, that there was almost a sense that, Perhaps David Beckham was embarrassed about the performance of the club early on. And then you saw almost that he stopped branding the club through his social media. And I think he, I mean, this has got to be a prideful guy, right? Um, He he probably took it to heart. It's like, hey, this is bad. We need to figure out a way how to fix this so that it doesn't remain bad. Because he doesn't want this shit, you know, from his friends and his buddies. Hey, man, your club is terrible. What the hell is going on? Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? So I can imagine that being definitely a motivating factor. Like, hey, let's get the shit together. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a big – that would be a big motivator for anyone. Pride, and especially someone that is used to competing and succeeding at the highest levels of sport. You don't want to be associated with that. No no one would. And – 
Yeah, I mean, I think his dream was to to be the, you know, again, to cross sports but stay in town, the, this Derek Jeter-type role for the Marlins, you know, where you are part owner, but also you're the guy. You know, you're, you're ultimately where things flow to. And, yeah, last year for a wide variety of reasons, that wasn't really practical. It wasn't really possible. And, yeah, now maybe he's like, okay, now I'm ready to kind of – I've learned a year – we went through the hardest year we're probably ever going to go through. We've kept the lights on. You know, we got to the playoffs, but we, we can do better. You know, there might be this inclination, you know, like you're playing double Dutch. Okay, now it's time. But I think fans are owed that explanation. I think fans of this club, uh, yeah, they deserve to know who, who's going to be in charge, who's going to call what shots. Really would be the most Miami thing ever if Sergio Romero somehow ended up in between the pipes <laughs> at the goalkeeping position here, wouldn't it? It really yes. would be one of those where you're like, oh, I'm starting to connect the, yeah, I'm starting to yeah. connect the dots. And then on the flip side, you sign Sergio Romero and then you let Lewis Morgan go, who was arguably probably one of your better players in the last season, being that yeah, he's true. being linked now going to Premier, to Premier League clubs. But I, one way or the other, right? I, obviously, there's, there's a lot that needs to be fixed. But one thing that you must applaud Inter-Miami for is that they're putting the stadium to good use right now uh during the off season and then obviously we don't know when mls is going to restart um even you know and we'll talk about usl in just a minute as we get to miami fc but you can imagine that a lot of seasons uh, especially um where revenue is so important um, might be delayed in an effort to have people inoculated so inner miami is doing the right thing here uh it looks like the ownership group has opened up the stadium to become a vaccination site for COVID, the, the COVID-19 vaccine. And if you're going to tell me that you don't believe in the vaccine, just, you know what, get out of here. Just stop, stop. Just, just don't play anymore. Just, just take it off. I don't care. You're going to leave me a bad review, whatever, man. Right. Um, no, it, it's open for a vaccination site. They're doing right by their community. They know the importance of, you know, having people inoculated in order to open up their stadium again and hopefully open it at full capacity sooner rather than later so i think this is a big step i see you seeing a lot of the stadiums um in south florida do it obviously the hard rock stadium has become a was always a testing site one of the earlier drive-through testing sites and now a vaccination site um you're seeing marlins park applying uh and now you are seeing that inner miami has jumped on as well yeah it's really and and diving even more into the business side of things here um you know, it, when we look at American sports, we, we oftentimes talk about a big four, right? Baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. And hockey and, and soccer has been trying to advance into that club and make it a big five and has made a number of, of strides. But there is a dividing line. And really, I would say it, it's a big three at this point. And, and I don't mean to impugn the integrity of your beloved hockey, of which you are a fan as well. But what I mean is that hockey and soccer – eat and live on the gate. The other three sports can have empty stadiums and make money. They're going to make less money, but they're, they're going to, they're, I, let me rephrase. They're going to bring no, in no, enough no, revenue. I, I where you're going with this. Yeah. They're going to bring in enough revenue through their TV contracts to keep the lights on. Again, there will, there need to be cost cutting measures and things like that, but right. hockey and soccer can't go two full seasons without getting gate because their TV contracts and especially for the NHL, which is about to negotiate its TV contract and, and, and MLS will get, get down that road shortly. Um, 
it's got to put out an appealing product to try to get a better deal so that they don't rely on gate revenue. Inner Miami, I mean, I'm, I can't imagine looking at their balance sheets right now to see what it looks like. To oh, have is, built is that. It's red? Yes, it is yeah, freaking blood. Red. It's got to be blood red because they have built a stadium and they have put, what, a total of. 15,000 people in it between the, the, the U S national team and, and a yeah. couple of games where they've gotten a, a few thousand fans in um, max. It, it, it's yeah. It's gotta be dire. It's gotta be dire. And, and it, to, to have expand to oh to create an expansion team and started this season, it's bad for every team, but particularly for a team like Nashville and for Miami, it's gotta be unfathomable trying to make the numbers work. First of all, how dare you, sir, attacking my beloved hockey, even though this is a <laughs> podcast, right? We listen to Dan Lebertard's soccer is a sport that's been coming for 20 years, and it's still <laughs> coming. It'll, it'll be here one day, right? Yeah, no, yes. it's like, I, I, and I get it. Like, as, obviously, as a guy who hosts a soccer podcast and is in love with the sport as well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, the other three can get away with it because of their massive, massive TV deals where – hockey doesn't have one you see them selling the names of the division just to bring in additional revenue yeah uh, to get these games played and then you know eventually revenue sharing and, and get some kickbacks to the teams um and, and i think soccer the same way i think if mls is smart um you you don't make it eastern western conference divided into four quadrants and sell the names of the divisions let's call it some wild stuff the AdvoCare south conference and the and the what is it the uh avocados from mexico west conference like let's <laughs> let's just let's get some names in here let's do this yeah. you know what i mean um and 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 really prop up the revenue uh with respect to that um but as we move forward you know as we mentioned we don't necessarily know when the seasons are going to start there are reports that do say, and again, everything uh, everything we're saying today is just speculation. Reports this, reports that, but we don't have anything concrete, man. It's 2021. Like, we're starting up. Two weeks in. Give us a break. Um, <laughs> but we are seeing reports where, you know, seasons may start a little later than normal. Um, you know, reports hearing about USL p- potentially starting as late as May and, you know, having whether or not a condensed season or accelerated season or even running it a little bit longer. And I think you can see MLS probably start in the same boat because if you can quell and quash the spread of the virus to the point where you can have, you know, 50% capacity, 75% capacity, instead of, you know, the marginal numbers you're seeing now, this is a massive help. And it's worth delaying the season by two months, have an extended preseason, have an extended training camp, let the guys get fit. Let's not have situations where guys get hurt trying to rush back or to rush to get fit. And then, you know, game one, match day one, you've got a, a blown hammy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the other thing before we do move on to USL, but it's related, but, but kind of wrapping up with MLS on the macro picture. And you mentioned May, um, Jeff Carlisle with ESPN has reported that MLS is also potentially looking at a May start for their season, but not just because of coronavirus, but they invoked the force majeure clause in their CBA um, with the players association. And so we're talking about Inter Miami and player acquisition and all this, and there's a not zero percent chance that there's not even a season this year because of negotiations. Kind of, you know, and and I'm sure this will not be. Um, it's not going to be pretty because this was yeah. an agreement that this was agreed to in February. This was a contract. This was an a, 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 um, an agreement between the two sides 
that was less than a year old. And yes, February and March in the world of coronavirus was a million miles away, but it wasn't impossible to foresee that there might be problems. And so I I can imagine the Players Association in particular is going to feel aggrieved. Um, And so we're we're talking about all this, and there's a chance the season doesn't even go off. Um, I'd be hard-pressed for the season not to go off because I think – there's a, there's definitely a want and a need from both sides to have the games played and to have people back mm-hmm. in the stands. And I think you see it also from, it's not just a business perspective. I think you see it also from a, a, a cultural perspective that like we need to get back to business when it is healthy enough to do so. Um, and there's going to be such a want and a desire for that, that I think it's just going to be unprecedented the amount of people who would be willing to attend once it is safe and I'm, and again this is the podcast medium i'm holding up air quotes where, where people can see me and like nobody else can like why yeah. the hell is omar pausing what an idiot right um <clears throat> no but and, and so i don't think you see a lockout per se but you bring up a great point and i did see that tweet the other day regarding the force majeure clause you know basically saying hey you remember all those things that we agreed to we're we're, we're gonna go back to the last one that wasn't so yeah. great for you guys we're gonna uh, blow it so up. that you know we can try to make ends meet here and it's and it's hard it's hard because you were talking about owners who are wealthy compared to the average mls roster salary which is not anywhere in the ballpark right like you know at one yeah. point the average mls player granted a few years ago was making a teacher salary you know this is a yeah. professional athlete who has to train and eat a certain diet can't be going you know to, on lunch breaks to mcdonald's unless you're chad ochozinko <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> it, it, you're gonna see that metabolism but yeah um, it's wild because here you are again saying like, Hey man, like we're going to have to cut our owners a break. And it's like, well, the owners may not need a break, sir. You know? Well, but I mean to, and this may be the only time ever documented that I will argue on behalf of the owners. I'm not really arguing on their behalf. I know I'm what I'm, what I want to do is, if they, if, if the vaccine rollout is, and, and again, we're now looking at something entirely outside the world of soccer. If the vaccine rollout is slow and they can't get 25% capacity in these stadiums by May, June, or July, what incentive do they have to start the season? Now, there is this larger macro picture of the good of the sport, but they're literally rushing to make a deal that's going to cost them money to play games that's going to cost them money. Yeah, <laughs> and so the the dynamics of a work stoppage in this particular time frame are entirely different than the dynamics you would anticipate in literally any other time. If there had been a work stoppage last year in February, you know when we were talking about this at first as a possibility, that's entirely different. Now the the owners may say, "Oh, you don't want to play? Great." You know, like, thank you. We'll see you in 2022 and we'll come back and see how you guys are doing. That's not what I want to see. You know, that's not what, what I personally politically believe. That's not what I want to, you know, that's, I don't want to see that for organized labor generally for these players specifically, but yeah, it's, you know, I, my mom works at a grocery store and it's a union shop. She's a member of a union. If they were to go on strike right now, you know, they, and they considered it. It was, it was really tough negotiations back in March. They had the upper hand, you know, because they, they, they were never in more demand than that. Literally March, 2020 was when their negotiations were taking place. This is not that for the MLS. And so I'm very curious to see what the dynamics of the negotiation are going to be. It's always now, funny when you, when you have a podcast with two guys with economics degrees and you're, you're literally trying to teeter around the rabbit hole of not trying to fall in <laughs> to put everybody to sleep. You're kind of yes. like, 
well, these guys know what they like, huh? They both have economics degrees. Hang on, let's not let's no let's not, yeah. let's not dive into the well. But no, but Let, you, you did a good job. You're absolutely right. Um, let's start drawing curves, guys. Welcome to the Curves <laughs> Podcast. Uh, so, Econometrics anyway. Podcast, Magic City Econometrics, where the R is always one. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a rough segue in the USO, and, huh? Enough. No, no more, no more economics talk. No more money talk. So, Miami FC and USL. And we've got another team to mention when it comes to USL and this, and we'll get to that in a moment, a team outside of Miami. But let's talk about Miami FC for a second. Again, another Clay and Omar's rubbing his hands. We've, we've got some words for our folks up in, uh, in North Carolina. We'll, we'll cover that in a little bit. Um, so, Omar, Miami FC, uh, turbulence for them as well. <laughs> Last year was not the result they were looking for. But again, just like um, – Inner Miami, not an entirely new team, but a new league that they really had no opportunity to adjust to, thrown into the maelstrom. And then their schedule was immediately blown up, put in this pod and doing this and that and adjusting. And it was just really not, it looked a lot like the first season of Miami FC compared to the seasons we've seen since. There have yeah. been player acquisitions, front office changes. What do you see from the club? Man, you, you let's be specific though. It looked like the first half of the first season in NESL. We're talking yes. about that spring season. Not not that fall season that looked much better once the reinforcements came in, right? No, yes. we're talking about it, it was it was rough there. I mean Miami ends the season four, four and eight. You know, they accumulate sixteen points in sixteen games, you know, averaging one point a game, which I think if you asked me before I had looked that up, I would have been like, nah, they didn't even make, they didn't even make one point per game. Um, yeah. but you know it is kind of very interesting to see that you know we talk about inner Miami um, and the fact that they're having to retool a roster, like Miami FC is only bringing back, I think, three or four guys from last season. Like th- that's yeah. it. You want to talk about retooling the roster in the middle yes. of a pandemic. Miami FC has cut bait on the majority of their guys. Um, granted, some got better opportunities and some just were not resigned. Um, and all of a sudden now, here you are in 2021, again, with a delayed start to the season, and you're having to retool from scratch. It, it's it's very interesting. And Miami FC has done a really good job of how they're announcing the players. You know, it's very spread out. I'm sure that they've got pretty close to a complete roster built already. Um, and they're, you know, trickling out names slowly but surely to, to keep yes. that interest there. But the names that they're trickling out, especially for, for the USL, these are not unknown guys coming in from, you know, uh, a random corner of the country playing you know, Division Three, Division Four soccer. No, these these are guys who know the league well, um, and you know they're already looking like it, it could be a cohesive group. Obviously, once they get into training camp and get that chemistry, that's going to be the second piece of the puzzle. But right now, you kind of like what you see, of the, you know, re- with regards to what Paul Douglas is putting together. Look, what what we know of of Paul is that he he needs a little time to get the project ticking and once it gets ticking it usually it usually purrs it usually gets going real good uh you know his first his first season in with Miami FC the first few games were were a disappointment and there were clashes with players and and disagreements over styles and uh and all kinds of things and then probably after about 10 games uh it was it was looking much much better and I, I how can you make any judgments about anything you saw last season? And, and, and this could be, you know, uh, uh, the flip side of the same coin. Um, You know, 
the same thing you can ask about the Nelson Vargas appointment and dismissal. How could you make any judgments about last season? Uh, but we know we, we know what he, he wants to see out of the club. They weren't getting it. And, and he has taken on a responsibility here in putting it back on track and competing in USL. And as you said, they're, they're, getting, they're getting the pieces that you would anticipate seeing a team that will compete in USL. You're, they're, they're getting players who you know, haven't fall, just fallen off the back of the turnip truck. They have reputations. They have experience. They have winning resumes. They have all the things you're looking for. And so if they can put together a, a real training camp, which it, we would anticipate that they would, um, if they can really get in there and work and, and for really the first time in a long, long, long time, um, you could anticipate different results. I anticipate different results for Miami FC because I, I know what their commitment to winning is. And, and I would not be surprised to see a market improvement this year. I mean, I would hope so. Can't, can't yeah. really expect much worse. <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting, too, that the four guys that they retain are really the cohesive defensive unit, right? They, they keep two fullbacks in Jonas Loeb and, and Otello Ba. You keep the sheriff, Lance Roseboom, who was splitting his time between central defensive midfield and center back. And then you keep Brian Silvestri, a hometown kid, in between the pipes. So now you kind of have that def- that defensive shell that you know you want to go from. And now it's just let's build the rest of the outfield. Let's build the rest of the team around what we've got here, what we're retaining, what we really liked from years past. And again, you got to remember, like, Otelo Ball has been here now for quite some time, believe it or not. He's been here since 2019, since before the USL. Uh, yeah. You know, Lance Roseboom has been here since before the USL. So he's he's earned his keep with regards to muddying the waters through the NPSL and through NISA and, and, and now finally USL. And it, it's nice to see that, you know, he may be one of the centerpieces that the club is building around. But in addition to that, in no particular order, Seon McFarlane, yes, Seon McFarlane is coming back, the dynamic fullback who can also play in the wing. Um, you know, you know him from the 2018 Miami SC2 run to the national championship. He was a, such yes. an essential cog to that team. It's really nice to see him come back um, and, and, and suit up for the blue and orange. And you have a trio, a dynamic trio, who this is actually kind of odd to me because we're not the team that's supposed to have a link with Louisville City, right? Like the whole reason Louisville City wears purple is because they technically got an affiliation or they bought the contract from Orlando City to get into USL in the first place. So yeah, right? So we've got a trio of guys coming in from Louisville City. Um, we've got Richard Ballard, who was announced today. We've got Speedy Williams, who announced just two, a few weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, or a couple of days ago, I should say, and Paco Craig as well. You know, we're talking about defenders and midfielders here who uh, can really stretch the pitch and, and maybe bring an exciting brand of football back to the club. I think what really jumped out to me, too, in, in terms of talking about players returning um, and I think one that, that's exciting and, and interesting is the return of Callum Chapman Page. Um, I, I think that that's, again, a, a player that really jumped onto the scene for Inter Miami in that NPSL period and stood out, uh, went to Tulsa, uh, and, and is coming back. And I, I think that the, the, the interesting combination of a small number of players returning from last year's team, a small number of players returning from uh, – journeys outward and then coming back to South Florida. And then these interesting players that you mentioned coming in, it's going to be an interesting mix. It's going to be a job for, for Paul, uh, for Paul Douglas to, to undertake, to get all these pieces put in place, but having those familiar places and bringing people back into the fold. 
I feel like really makes uh, it, it gives him a chance to to put things right. Would you eat at a food truck if it was run together by Lee Ephant and Callum Chapman Page? Of course. With a with a with a with a massive with a with a massive just Welsh and British flag just hanging from the from the from the food truck. Yes, yeah, for sure. And Lee would love that. Delight. <laughs> he was he would, he would like, quit everything. Walking, you hear the accent, you're mystified by it, you're like yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll have. Well, what do you have? Fish and chips? I'm there. Let's go. And I'm going to yes. get hit over the head by Lee here for just doing the most stereotypical British food ever, <laughs> fish and chips. All right. So Miami FC does also add a defender in Ramon Martin Del Campo, who has been well-reviewed, uh, spent a lot of time at Fresno FC, uh, featured last year with both Oklahoma City and the Las Vegas Lights. And one of the more recent additions as well is Billy Forbes. Uh, Billy Forbes is a speedster striker uh, who has spent his time recently with Austin Bold in San Antonio, also uh, playing out in the West Coast of the USL. So um, again, I, we're seeing speed, we're seeing tactical ability being added to the roster by Paul Daglish. Um, We know for sure that there are a few names more to come. We think we know of one. If you've been following the Twitter account, like, you you might know who we're talking about. I mean, we're gonna press the buttons until they release it. We're not gonna say anything again. We don't yes. know for sure. We think we do. You know, <laughs> to do a little bit of investigational journalism behind the scenes is like, yeah, I can can see yeah. the dots. They're they're kind of lined up together. But it, it should be an exciting season, and you can imagine there'll be more big USL names to come. Uh, for Miami FC. And again, you know, what are we going to get out of this season? It's going to be a big question. Are we going to get another pod-like structure? Are we going to get a full Eastern Conference tilt with home and aways with everybody on board? Um, you know, are we going to get some hodgepodge in between? You know, we yeah, we might not see the Oakland roots uh, this season. Shout out to Tommy Hoddle, right? But um, it'd be nice. I don't, I don't think we are, but it'd be nice. Yeah. I I have to admit I do not hate the uh the pod. Um I, I kind of like the idea of that familiarity breeding contempt, especially when you get a chance to play the rowdies and, and all that. I think ideally, maybe if you look at the second half of the season, you'll see like a pod exchange program, you know, where you may play one game against all the teams from the other pod, from from some other pod, and you kind of match it up that way. Um but yeah, you know, it's just there, there are so many decisions that need to be made. And I've been saying this for March, and it's not in the context of soccer, but I've told everyone, if you're making plans out more than two weeks, you might as well be making them for 20 years from now. Like, you're a fool. You're a fool to make plans because they're going to get blown up. You think things are getting worse, they turn around. You think things are getting better, they turn worse. And it's it's – yeah, we don't know. We don't know when this season is going to go off. We don't know who's going to be playing in the first game because we don't know who may be sick, who's gotten shots, who hasn't gotten shot. Who you know, we don't know. And so we have names on paper right now, and we can look at it and analyze it. But they're going to have to play, and it's going to be very interesting. Just like it was interesting last year, it's going to be very interesting to try to see how the leagues make this. What are you work. doing? Why are you falling asleep recording a podcast? What is it? You're yawning in the middle of your of your sentence. I have a six-month-old man. It's it's uh, sleep has become much more difficult. I have a child. I have a boy. Um, yeah, I apologize for that. I'm trying to uh, do my best to stifle it, but yeah, I, I wake up at five thirty for work, and I have a six-month-old, and it means Listen, not a lot of sleep I'm for saying, daddy. Chris Cody, we've got time, man. We can do Everton Chris up right now. We can just start <laughs> locking those down. 
So if you're listening or somebody in, in, in the sound of my voice is listening and gets a hold of Chris, I mean, listen, I'll send them a cameo straight up. Be like, hey, Chris, <laughs> you want to do everything Chris stuff? Let's see how this goes. Huh? I like that our, our stupid jokes from the chat become actual content on the show. Uh, <laughs> that, that's that's good stuff. Here. That's how it works around here. We're, we're going to create a Patreon so you can join us in the chat for, you know, $30 a month. You can just uh, watch the chat develop and see our stupid jokes about things about Unlike somebody, soccer and everything we'll, else we'll, we'll actually reply yes. <laughs> yes all right so i mean who knows they maybe they're litigious so i'm not going to say anything else i don't want to get on their bad side i love them very much um so should we bring this one in for a landing my friend yeah i think so is there is there any other any other business to attend to uh you know i i know since uh lee's not with us tonight we can't get the kind of in-depth upsl uh, coverage that you know we would normally I don't um, even want to try because I'd be doing um, it a disservice cover uh, we know that uh, uh, you know if you've checked out uh, our Twitter there's some really good highlights um, that Lee has been sharing uh, from local clubs including uh, a really nice uh, movement uh, play from Palm Beach Stars uh, uh, in, in UPSL and, and there's a lot there and, and we'll have him on hopefully next week or the week after and um and, and talk a little bit more about what's going on in UPSL, but um yeah we we've we've stuck our heads up out of the uh the cave, we are emerging from our hibernation, we are recharged to a degree, uh so uh, as much as life will allow us to be, and and we're here, and and damn it, that's enough for now. How about that? And let me emphasize that we you know we are recommitting to the show, we're recommitting to the website, we are recommitting to everything. Um, that we do around here. And, and we know that last year was was really a, a just, I don't know, albatross, what's the word I'm looking for? This is not a very um, good situation for, for, for any of us, for all of us. Um, and I think we didn't have a lot of time to, to give this what it needed. Um, but I think we're going to double down this year in 2021. And, you know, you're going to see the Magic City Soccer of years past return. You know, we're going to hit our 100th podcast episode this year, God willing. So that'll be a, an event in and of itself. Um, you know, and, and I really think that we're going to rise back again to that level of what we reached. Listen, I said for, for years that this was the number one English language soccer podcast or soccer media outlet in South Florida. And I will be damned. I'll die on the hill for it. And I will say that I think we will reach those heights again. Um, you know, we are looking for help. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. If you want to come on board and you want us help us out, we are more than happy to take the help where we can get it because we know when we're stretched in and 2020 showed us we got stretched in pretty quickly, right? Yeah. We got, um, we got, we got snapped. We didn't just get stretched. We got snapped. We we had the rubber band that snapped. Yeah. So, you know, we can use the help. If you want to come on board and join the team, we're more than happy to have you. You know, you guys already know the, you know, if you're still listening, you guys already know the work that we put in the community. This is a show that, and this is an outlet that covers the pyramid top to bottom. We don't, you know, spare any expense really. You know, we're, we're, we're running this operation ourselves and we we try to make sure to, to give everybody as much, airtime as possible, whether it's MLS or whether it's USL or whether it was MPSL or NISA or, or, or UPSL. So we're top to bottom. We're out there. You've seen the highlights from years past that we've produced ourselves. You've seen the podcast put out, you know, during the heyday week after week after week, you saw the articles come out multiple times a day. You saw them coming multiple times a week. So we really want to get back to that, but we do need your help. So if you're interested in coming on board, 
send us a DM at Magic City Soccer. Let us know. We're more than happy to have a talk with you guys. And and for those of you that want to come on board, and and, and it'll be fun because the thing is, the nice part about Magic City Soccer is that the name still carries a weight and it's respected in the soccer community here in South Florida. So even though we've been away for a little bit, um, listen, we're a player, man. Like we, we, we've got weight behind us and that's not figurative because we are fat, but we do have weight behind us because <laughs> this is we true. do a good job and, and the, the clubs in the area know us and know that we do a good job. So if you want to join and you want to be help out and be a part of the movement, um, you know, again, send us a DM at Magic City Soccer on Twitter. We'll set something up and we'll go from there. Um, but yes, we, we wanted to bring this in for a landing. We have not. So I will bring it in for a landing because it is my fault. Matt, uh, hold on. Anything, uh, yes. It, it would not be a proper Magic City Soccer without actually not closing the show when you say you're going to close it. I just realized something. We did not mention North Carolina. Listen, man, you, you, this is how we're going to end this after a whole, like, <laughs> hey, we're coming back. We're going to go North Carolina. How are you going to relegate yourself? How are you going to sit there and relegate yourself and just be like, hey, man, you know what? We don't want to have a season this season. We're going to go play USL League 1 after absolutely tanking an entire league, an entire part of the pyramid on your own, Steve Malik, you dick. <laughs> I mean, the whole reason NASL doesn't exist is because of that one guy. Are we, are we going to be blunt about it or are we going to not? Are we going to sugarcoat shit? Yeah, pretty, I mean, there's no one who's, there's really no one who's more responsible. There's no one who's more responsible. No, there is uh, not. And there's yeah. not a single person more responsible, a single entity more responsible. I don't know. Now we're getting into it. But no, <laughs> he, realistically speaking, he's part of the blame for why NASL doesn't exist anymore and what ended up happening. And granted, you can look at traffic and the strikers and everything else, and that's fine. But he's part of the problem. And what does he do now? He realizes, oh, shit, I can't make it work at USL. I'm not getting the MLS. So I'm going to go play second fiddle in USL League One. You know what? Do want just relegate yourself all the way down to USL League Two. Why don't you do that? Just don't don't even give yourself USL League One where you still get like B teams. So go to League Two, dude. That's where you deserve to be. You're just, you're garbage, man. You're garbage. You relegated your own team. Why? Because you don't want to pump out the money anymore. Because the MLS opportunity isn't there anymore. Go to hell, dude. Say hi to our bros. <laughs> blunt uh blunt language from Omar Muvayed about North Carolina. Uh yeah, it was really there are two two competing thoughts. One is you never want uh, any team anywhere to fail because we do have this greater goal towards the success of soccer in okay, American okay. particularly lower level soccer. On the other hand, you messed up. You messed up big time. You really messed did. up other teams big time. And this is obviously a choice that any team would make. It's an embarrassing capitulation. It's the only way to put it. It is a total capitulation. And for a club whose sole motivation for so long was so, it was so, there was just blind ambition, right? It was very clear that this was, the stop was not going to be USL. It was going to be MLS. And the fact that that has clearly not worked out. And now this is all blowing up that that, individual pursuit instead of pursuing the much more reasonable goal of keeping an ASL running, which was entirely possible, but because they pulled up stakes, everything else fell apart. It's just, I mean, you feel bad, I guess I'm doing the air quotes you did earlier. You feel bad, but 
yeah, it, it's it, it is something, and I don't necessarily think the fans deserve it. I don't necessarily think supporters oh, no, deserve no, it. No, no, no. Let's preface by but, saying that my rant is not directed at the fans; it's directed at that yes, one individual. Yes, right? but uh, yeah, there did there they are, ever even get the U.S. men's national team game that they were promised after all this, or that they? Were I think they got one, promised? didn't they? I think they, they got, they got one the men's. Carry. I know they got the women's. Did they get the men's? Is the question. That's a good question. We'll ha- we'll have to do some research. So Drew some homework know. for us. What's that? <laughs> Drew would know. Where's Drew would know. Drew Drew would know. Uh, we'll ha- we'll have him on in a bit as well. Um, but yeah, okay. So wrapping up, concluding things. Omar, always good to talk to you, buddy. It's good, to see, good you. to see you. I'm glad I've... your beard came back, even though nobody else can see this. I'm glad your beard came back. It's really funny because I'm like literally going to trim it this weekend because it's driving me insane. So uh, nice for what it's worth. So I'm talking. Yes, a lot of I know. We we both look. We look Keep like running. we've not been able to get a show going in about six months. We both we both have the appearance of people who have not been able to get anything going in, in half a year. It's like our um, faces suffered an AT and T outage for six months. Yeah. So um, so yeah, good show. Good to talk with you, pal. And uh, we'll talk soon. We will talk soon again, guys. Magic City Soccer on the Twitter. If you're looking to reach out and help us. We will appreciate it. Magic City Sock, SOC on the Instagram, because Magic City Soccer still doesn't respond all these years later about trans. <laughs> uh, and Magic City Soccer on Facebook. Well, Facebook's kind of dormant. You want to talk about dormant, just check out our Facebook. That's, that's dormant. Yeah. Well, and, and look, Facebook has its own issues right now. Let's not dive into it, but Facebook's got its own things going on, uh, you know, ruining the world. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, Twitter and Instagram, that, that's our big focus. And of course, magiccity.soccer, a lot of great archival content there, access to all those social media accounts, access to the podcast, um, stuff, our pictures located on the right hand side of the page. You can see what we look like when we actually manicure our facial hair. So, uh, and Omar, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, buy at 11 on Twitter. That's where you can find me. And you can find me at Matthew S bunch uh so until next time again for omar oh my god i I gotta go to bed i need sleep for omar mubayad and myself uh go miami fc go enter miami go labor negotiations and go miami soccer get your covid vaccine please